0: Welcome to Followership with Ryan Leake, a podcast designed to equip followers with the tools they need to succeed in the workplace. I don't know what kind of leader you have, but I do know that the type of leader you have does not have to determine the type of team member, the type of follower you can become. I know there's a great deal of resources that are spent on leadership every single year. I decided I wanted to create a resource for followership and for followers and people that are following those leaders because... I think each and every one of us has to own our stuff, own our presence in the workplace and show up as best as we possibly can. And so this particular season of followership with Ryan Lee, a great team member of mine, Lacey, has been uh, interviewing me on every single chapter. And so I want you to check out this conversation that we had around chapter six.
1: Brian, on the last episode, we we towed the line a little bit about perfection. And that's mm-hmm. why I love this specific chapter, Shame Off of You. I think you do a phenomenal job really challenging your readers. And I'm so excited today on the podcast to talk about the difference between fear and shame and per- being a perfectionist and what that may or may not look like for some people in the audience today. Um, but let's kick it off. I would love uh, for you to kind of just give us the high level view of how you view shame um, Mm. and really how just your um, interest in shame really kind of came about in your career?
0: Yeah. Well, there's this idea of being embarrassed and what that means for us. And that, that idea of shame, that feeling of, I'm not enough, that feeling of vulnerability that people can see my weakness. And Mm. I've worked so hard for them not to see it. I've bought outfits for them not to see it. Mm. I've put on makeup, I've used filters, I got a haircut. I've worked out I, I'm, I am moving heaven and earth so that no one can see who I'm afraid of them knowing. Mm. And it's this very, very weird thing that's really in all of us that is going, I'm, I'm really hoping that I don't feel vulnerable and truly seen because if, if, if someone truly sees who, who I really am, they, they won't think highly of me. They, they won't see me in a certain light. And that's, that's something that is very real for, I would say most of us. And part of that is, having a healthy definition of success and having a healthy definition of of failure and and I think when it comes to getting outside of our comfort zone, uh when it comes to trying to take our career to the next level, uh, there is so much that we feel like is on the line. Mm we we feel like it it's it's all or nothing it's championship game winner we we feel like so much is riding on our success or failure and i think this chapter was really birthed out of a is it <laughs> question towards like have have we put a little bit too much pressure on ourselves to believe that there's there's more riding on me than there really than there really is Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I I think that it's having a, a healthy definition of success, a healthy definition of failure, and also having a healthy perspective of who we really are and, and that vulnerability and, and showing a little bit of that weakness isn't as bad as we think it is. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: what I've, what what I've been learning, and I can't say this about the world. I can't encourage everybody to just go out there and just start sharing their failures. You, know, <laughs> you could get fired, sure. and, and I don't know what your <laughs> failures are. So, and I'm my own boss, so I can share my failures and still be That's employed right. tomorrow. So, so be careful, okay, kids. Don't try this at home. However, <laughs> what I have learned about vulnerability and showing my weakness is, it's actually helped me. It it makes you way more relatable. Yeah, and approachable. So many times I thought, I'm going to give someone an opportunity to shame. But what often has happened is, people have gone, Oh, you too? Whew. I thought I was alone. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was the only one that had that kind of pressure. I thought I was the only one that that had typos. <laughs> I, I thought I was the only <laughs> one that forgot to turn their mic on for a Zoom presentation. For Like, I just... I thought... Yeah. Like... So many people feel alone. And I think what our weaknesses and our shortcomings and our failures give the world around us is permission to walk in an environment that is not mistake-free. It loosens the grip on the expectations that we have on each other that every email must be written by Stanford professors <laughs> and, and har- it's like, Hey guys, we're all busy. You, you replied to the email at four in the morning. You, you made t- like it. It's okay. Yeah. But you, you, we feel like we're being penalized or that someone thinks that we're, we're, we're stupid. No, we, it's an email. Like yeah. we, we have to come back like and sometimes we feel like our email is, you know, our, our reputation is writing yeah. on it's the on job. Email. Right? You think your
1: email is the job. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, and again, I, I I've I've seen some people write other people off for an email. But then I, I go, okay, well, let me hold you to that standard. Let me pull all your email. And let's see if we feel like you're qualified to do your job if we're holding people to the email standard. And so it's not permission to like email how we text one another. And I'm not saying we need to just be, you know, lollygagging and just do whatever on it. I'm just, I, I just watch way too many people beat themselves up over one email.
1: Yeah, you have, you give an example also in your book about, you know, thinking less of a waiter or waitress who got our order wrong. Mm. And I just, when I read that in your book, I sat and thought about it for, I don't know, way too long, five or six days, because I tend to lack a lot of patience naturally. So it tends Mm. to be one of the things I have to strive top of mind almost every day is is aiming for greater patience. But Mm -hmm. your example there got me because you think about how many orders a waiter or a waitress does. And who's to say you're not the one heir out of a thousand, right? And right. what's our response in that? And I think that's so true. I think, yeah, I think it's so true. Well, talking, yeah. I guess, a little bit about how you um, you do so much executive coaching. So how do you really get people to accept, you know, themselves for who they are and what they're not and how to show love and appreciation for others? that's that's in the details especially and it looks differently for leaders right wanting perfection oh, yeah. from your staff because your reputation as a leader or you know what i hear so often from leaders is i just should have done it myself then right mm-hmm. how do you not claw back the de- delegation as a leader and then maybe we'll flip the coin and talk about as a follower how do you yeah. recover from some of the shame when you when you do make a mistake so maybe let's focus a little bit on leaders and advice yeah. or coaching that you give to some of our leaders who are struggling with with demanding perfection on our team.
0: Yeah. You know, for leaders, I think that you you have to be aware of demanding perfection. I think your heart is to demand excellent and encourage excellence. But there's a far, far there's, there's a, quite a bit of margin between excellence and perfection. Mm-hmm. And Excellence is saying, hey, we have an attitude that we want to do this to the best of our ability. And that's a standard that we can live up to. Perfection, you're not living up to that.
1: <laughs>
0: mm. No one is. Yeah. It, it, it's So I think that demand is, is, a, is a too high of a demand. It's it's interesting that you say it that way,
1: Ryan, because one is aspirational, right? What I just heard you say is a tone of excellence will always be aspirational and motivational to a team. You have an error or a mistake and the team still feels like victory, right? Mm -hmm. can be won by the end of the day. The perfection feels almost defeating with -hmm. with one error. Mm -hmm. Good.
0: Oh, it's... it's, uh... I have I have seen companies miss out on a lot of sales, a lot of money demanding perfection instead of demanding excellence. And the biggest difference is if you demand excellence, you would have figured out what the customer actually needed because you would have been making it about them. Perfection mm-hmm. is really like part of the ego thing. How does this make us look? But excellence will make you look a whole lot better. I mean, I I'm I'm the, the industry I'm actually the most intrigued by is the one that I have to utilize the most, which is the hospitality industry. <laughs> so oh, I'm always yeah. aware of hotels, restaurants, <laughs> car rentals. Uh you know, just obviously that just comes with travel. And it is amazing what uh, excellent customer service does over perfection. So, yeah. so there, there's rooms where I've I've walked in where uh, whoever cleaned it last made a mistake, but the attitude of the organization and the staff of of excellence hey what what can we do makes up for it mm. it's, it's, it's like yeah, and again I'm not sense. talking like trash out or hairs <laughs> everywhere we're not talking <laughs> something like you, you know, need some
1: like, new clients like, put like,
0: hey, <laughs> yeah but it's 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 so very interesting uh, you, you can you can just tell a a well-run staff, a well-managed staff and a a staff that's inspired, um, versus a staff that has been operating based off of fear. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And and a fear-based team is they they work for you because they have to because they don't have any other options. It's not because they want to. But e- excellence, I think, is is something that can be very, very uh, inspiring. Um, yeah. What was the second half of of your question for the followers? Well, let's
1: talk about followers because this is mm-hmm. where I think employees really should be looking for organizations that are Mm -hmm. doing the work in inclusiveness, right? Because Mm. it kind of comes back to some discussions we've had about manufacturing brands. The the last episode is phenomenal around brand versus reputation. But Mm -hmm. I think now more than ever, it's really important that employees find an organization um, that's focused on inclusion, that allows Mm -hmm. them to come to work every day as themselves, whatever Mm -hmm. that means, right? You still have to show up professionally. You still Mm -hmm. have to look professional, but how do we stop wasting energy putting on this facade that we're somebody who does X or somebody who looks like Y or somebody who went Uh somewhere and learned X, you know? But let's talk about followers. How or what advice, the coaching you give, the talks that you've had, what are you saying to employees right now who feel like, maybe they're living inside an organization or they feel like they're in this cycle of what you just spoke to i don't have you know i don't have mm. the freedom to focus on excellence i'm just mm. really in a place of fear mm.
0: well i i think there's a a couple of different angles there with uh, a few things that you just mentioned i think one of one of the One of the things that I think every follower, every team member, even every leader can work on is themselves inwardly. And I think one of the things every single one of us has to wrestle with, and I was was actually doing a lot of thinking about this this morning, is I think every single one of us can work on our level of competence and being a person that is secure. Not to be confused with job security. Uh, I'm I'm talking more about who you are. Dare I say, soul security. (laughs) I know who I am, I'm confident in who I am, and that may not give me job security, But one of the most unattractive qualities in a team member is insecurity. And here's why. Insecure people don't realize that everyone else can see it. They think it's their secret, except it's public knowledge can always feel when someone's working from insecurity versus confidence. This is just, this is who they are. They are, they are who they are. And so I think there is a way to be authentically you and professional and simply do the job that you've been paid to do without sacrificing your confidence in who, and who you really are. If, if you work in an environment that is fear-based that does, uh, demand perfection. I think the, the, <laughs> you have to have an honest conversation with yourself and ask, and, and really ask yourself, what is this doing to my soul?
1: Mm.
0: What, and I'm getting ready to do a, a keynote for a company on, on soul care. And, oh, interesting. And, and it's, and it is because because as a, as a Christian, as someone that teaches in churches, it's like, okay, when we talk about soul, are we, are we gonna, are we gonna do chapter and verse? It's just like, no, actually what we're going to do for this particular keynote, uh, is actually talk about this idea that we, we all use when we say someone has sold their soul, (laughs) they've Mm -hmm. sold their soul. And, And when, when someone says that they're not. Making a literal statement, it's a figurative statement. In in this idea, of I've I've gone all in. I had to give up something of either my integrity or my character or something in my. I had to give up something to 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 gain some sort of success. And we go, well, you sold your soul. And I think all of us have to ask ourselves about whatever environment we find ourselves perhaps getting a paycheck from and going, am, am I going to give up my character and my integrity to pay bills? Now let's get really real for a second. When you're a single mom, it's a very, very tough conversation. Mm-hmm. So when you're the breadwinner, when your kids are in college, a very, very, very tough conversation. So I, I don't, I don't say that with uh, with any sort of cavalier caveat that says, "Oh, well, hey, just quit." No, but I, I do. I do, I must implore us for a moment. To consider the cost of paying bills, yet you have this soul debt that you you covered everything else except your soul.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's a dangerous place to be. So I I think it's very important that people really uh, think about what is it what does it cost me to work here, and I get. That you, hey, that that's where you have a job. You, that's that's where you work, and and there's not a whole lot you can do about a a perfectionistic environment. But you gotta ask yourself, what's that doing to you long term? What are the long term effects of of really being in that environment? And it, it 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 might it might I don't know it might be worth. Making twenty thousand dollars less money and still have your soul.
1: That's right. One of the podcasts hey. we opened up with the question, what does it cost to be you? And you flipped mm-hmm. it around, what does it cost to be me? Right, which is the mm-hmm. question we should all be asking. And I think that's what you're getting to. Mm-hmm. You know, in that podcast episode, you had great point of it's not about me it's about my wife what does it cost your wife ryan for you to be you and i think it's it's the same for our followers that are listening today it's not even just about the sacrifice and the soul care but um you know what does it cost those around you or where are you absent in relationships or where are you absent in joy and happiness yeah, it's yeah. where I think it's important for um, our audience, and be on the follower side, when you're doing interviews, right? This is where I just wish employers and employees can be more transparent and vulnerable in the interview process. I always encourage people that if you're thinking about a new job or you're doing interviews, to not make it about your last job, what it was or wasn't. Mm-hmm. wasn't I love some of your language around what is it. What's it cost you to be in that role? But being clear, uh, doing the self work, like you're talking about, having the confidence and the security of knowing your skill set, it allows you to to catch red flags sooner. But also allows you to to be really clear about the trade offs from the start. What is this job going to cost you, and does that feel like the right sacrifice? Because when you're in that zone of sweetness, you know nothing's truly better. It's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. You know something For that you just said it reminded me of this. I think it's important that we understand our influence in any environment. So you you could work in a toxic environment and still be a healthy person. Most people don't see how those two go hand in hand, but you you are in more control of the direction of your soul. Um, this episode is now called Soul Care. <laughs> um, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> but you, you are in more control of the direction of your soul than you think. And part of that is is how you treat other people when they miss the mark. And so even if you're in a toxic culture that has beat that person up for an email or falling short in any capacity, you have a decision to make. That in that moment, you come alongside that person and you say, It's going to be okay. Do you want to know what you just did with it's gonna be okay for informal words? You just changed the culture of the organization for somebody. Yeah. You now just took an organization that says they demand perfection. And this is, and, and, and everyone's on me. Well, not anymore. Not everyone. Because you, someone, changed the narrative. Hey, I, I realize mm-hmm. we all get goals to meet. I, I realize that, hey, we all, hey, we're all here for a reason. This is a business. You know, at the end of the day, we got to make some money. But to put a hand on the shoulder that says, hey, you're going to be all right. You, You 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 have stolen their everybody statement <laughs> yeah because it's no longer everybody it's it's everybody but you but they'll never forget it and the next time they see somebody make a similar mistake they're going to think about how would i want someone else how, how did someone else respond to me when mm-hmm. i was in a similar situation and, and so that that's not anti your boss, that's not even anti the organization. That's simply being the kind of person, team member, follower, leader that you really want to be. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I've just i I've, I've just decided that I'm playing the long game when it comes to my business the, and, and the long game is twenty years from now. I want people to be able to call me and know that I was consistent. That there wasn't this up and down, that there wasn't I, as weird as it sounds, Lace. I am, I don't have a value of loyalty. It's not one of my value mm-hmm. systems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of my value systems is consistency. Yeah, I do. So I don't that. have mm-hmm. to confess undying loyalty. To my friends, I just keep showing up, (laughs) and I keep calling, and when their spouses are sick, I send food, (laughs) but I've never once told one of my friends, hey, man, I'm loyal to the day you die. No, I'll just keep being here until you die. (laughs) Just just being consistent. Mm-hmm. Just keep showing up for people. Um, and, you, you know, you, you try to lend a listening ear and try to help people. So, so I think part of what will release shame off of us is releasing shame off of someone else. Yeah. And I think there's so much power in putting a hand on someone else's shoulder or... You and I both couldn't, you know, go on our LinkedIn right now and find a hundred people that would say, I don't feel seen or valued at my job. Mm -hmm. If you're that person and you're listening right now, go see and value somebody else. It's the best thing you can do. Go change that narrative for somebody else. And as much as you're not seen, as much as you're not valued, the truth is. You're not alone. So go find someone else that feels the same way and just see them. Mm -hmm. You may have zero control over increasing their salary or giving them a bonus. But every last one of us enjoys knowing that we have contributed to an organization or to a home, to a team in some way, shape or form. I've never heard of anyone being honored for their contribution, and them um, getting upset about it. What? What do you mean? What? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> people, people love being seen and knowing that mm-hmm. that their contribution matters. So, so I think it's important that we we try to do that for others, especially when we crave it a lot for ourselves.
1: Yeah, you know, I get the benefit of watching you be be a leader. Um, and one of the things I think you do really well with our team is just this awareness of self-talk and Mm -hmm. I know you're doing the work on, on your talk, but you often catch us in our talk. If that makes Uh sense, you will, Uh you will catch us mid statement or, um, if we let excuses out or if if we're wishy-washy and you know, if we waver in our confidence, you're the first to catch us and in correcting our self-talk before we close out today's episode, can you just um i guess give our our listeners a little bit of what that magic looks like because it's been pretty transformational around people around you to watch you kind of correct the self-talk
0: yeah you know it's it's (laughs) it's amazing how many conversations we've had with ourselves before we ever talk to anybody Mm -hmm. it's amazing it is remarkable um, and I I typically try to interrupt someone else's self talk with a question. Uh, it's who told you that? <laughs> who, who told you that? Mm-hmm. And and no one ever says it out loud. No one ever says, "Well, I told myself that." <laughs> but that's typically the person who told you. <laughs> that's right. That's so true, so Ryan. It really it really does. Like it's like who? Wait, where did where? Where where did where did that where did that come from? Who told you and, and it's hard to self-talk is 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 very bizarre because it's only you know what it is mm-hmm. until it comes out in conversation. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Especially when it's not true, it's very easy to interrupt. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what we have learned to cope in the world is if i beat myself up first then the bullies won't join in on the fight cuz it won't yeah. be fun for them there's no adventure in that so let me let me tear myself down so that there's nothing to tear down mm-hmm. and and so you you can but let, let me walk in shame so no one else can put it on me can, can, can sometimes be the true narrative that people work and live in. And I think it's very important that you, you are extremely aware of what you are saying to yourself. And I think a person should also Be very intentional in the other direction of not letting self-talk just be all negative, but to have positive affirmations. Um, I I did a keynote for a sales team on the five things that we all need to be telling ourselves, which I would give those five things away right now. But leave
1: us, leave us with a cliffhanger. Maybe yeah, we'll tack it on as a, a episode at the end. Yeah. Maybe we out a
0: way to, <laughs> yeah. I can't just be giving out all this content for, for free, for no reason. You know, it's like, I want to add value, but I, I still got to eat, you know? So. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: but I just remember, I remember sitting with that sales team and just, um, uh, I, I I and I'll I'll give away one. I'll give away one of right. one of one All of right. one of the deals that I think every single person needs to be able to tell themselves. Uh number 1 is I I, I can drop a ball. I can drop a ball. I think every 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 person needs to be able to say that to themselves cuz here's why you're going to drop one <laughs> you are mm-hmm. you're, you're you're going to drop one you should choose before you do it and here's the deal and and I'm 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 almost positive almost if i'm wrong please email me please dm <laughs> me if i'm wrong I don't think any person that listens to my podcast works in the circus industry. I just don't think that they're in the circus. And so I think that there is this idea that we all need to be performing magic at all times and to be throwing 30 balls in the air and keeping them up there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I got to be an awesome parent. All right? I, I got, I got to be at every game. I got to make every meeting. I, I I have to constantly be on my oh, I got to be a good spouse. I, I, you know, my, my, my marriage reputation is on the line if I don't bring home the right dinner and my parenting reputation is on the line. If I don't go to that PTA meeting and then my work reputation is on the line. If if I don't show up on the that zoom uh, looking a certain way and if I, And it's just like this constant juggling act. And it's like, you don't work in the circus. Yeah. Like, you're not. And let's just say you are in the circus. And your job is to literally juggle balls. Juggle. (laughs) That's right. Good for you. But that's just your job. Like, that's just a job. That's not. You know, so it's. Mm -hmm. So I I just tell people all the time. Hey, you know, you, you can drop a ball. No, I can't. You're gonna. You're just not that good.
1: Yeah, or you don't have the support, right? Or the systems aren't in place. That's that's something I I think we often forget about is most people that we're looking up to that haven't dropped a ball in years have a support staff that are hired and designed to catch all the balls and throw them back up right before anybody. This is where the the chief of staff role or the EA role or the project manager Mm -hmm. role um, really come into function. And even they drop balls, to your point. I
0: I just, 100%. I just don't know. I've never met anybody who, on every important area of their life, professional, emotional, relational, parenting, leadership, their craft. I've just never seen anyone score tens in all of those areas.
1: Yeah.
0: I just, I just haven't. Sometimes when, when, when a couple is in a place where they feel like their marriage is good, they feel like they're failing as parents. Sometimes when some work is going amazing, all rocking and rolling, it's like, it's, it's like, it's the villain of being a parent. It is very (laughs) difficult. It's funny, you know, people people are are asking, like, hey, what's your next book going to be about? I was like, what I want it to be about and what it's actually going to be about are vastly different. I would love to write a book on this tension of being a successful person and being a successful parent at the same time, except the measuring stick for being a successful parent I'm not sure is realistic. (laughs) I just, yeah. And and I'm going, and again, this goes back to this self-talk. When someone is talking to me about parenting and how they're falling short, who told you that? Mm -hmm. Who who made the measuring stick that says you're not allowed to miss an event? Ever. Is is that the measuring stick? Uh, like, I don't know any adult that says, you know what? Let me tell you why my parents suck. It's because they were only at 70% of my event. And you know what? If they had been at 80 or 85 or 90 or 100, we'd have a better relationship today has said that so like who's making these rules that we just have to keep all of these balls in the air and we just can't drop so i've just been telling them like you can drop a ball because you're going to anyway
1: yeah that's right or just being really really protective of who we admire right i went on this quest maybe eight years ago to try to find a mentor. This is why mentorship is so dangerous. And, you know, Ryan, shocker, to your point, I could not find anybody who was a perfect mom, a perfect, Mm. I don't even know what my title was at that time, a perfect new wife, you know, a perfect, I at the time was running marathons, who could also speak into my life about a training program, right? Like it just, the mentor I was looking for became so multi-layered, was impossible. Mm. So, the best I could do was piecemeal a personal board of directors and advisors. And I just allocated the best person I knew who was killing the mom game mm. to meet with me once a quarter to give me mom advice. And she got mm. to ignore everything else in my life. And then I found a running coach that could help coach within the boundaries that I had set for myself for what running needed to look like, right? What well, was once a 40 mm. hour? training program now became three hours a week, but it's I, I think to your point, some of the things we've talked about in earlier podcasts, specifically around shame or in chapters of your book, you have to be really protective of what you're holding out as the measuring stick or who you're holding out the measuring stick um, compared to. And some of your language mm-hmm. around the social dilemma and how social media can affect this, I think it's it's becoming, you know, top of mind for everybody right now is to figure out what reality is in your community hmm. and reality within your identities.
0: Wow. Will you say that one more time? Did you say, you said be mindful of who you admire?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. This is, yeah, this is the danger, right? Of, of being in the wrong organization. And especially if you mask yourself, not being able to talk about it at performance review time and just nodding your head, right? Agreeing to a new standard of living or a new measuring stick. Can, it, it, it is the negative talk, right? That sometimes we try to avoid. Wow,
0: that is incredible, Lace. I love that. Good one. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> about to tweet that. Just so you know, I'm about to, about to tweet that. I'm about to send it out to uh, to my to my community text. Uh, I'm, about, that to, I'm about to. royalty check. I'm about to encourage uh, my my people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Followership with Ryan Leak. I wanted you to know that I got a new number just to connect with you. And this is a number that I use to be able to answer people's questions. And I send out weekly encouragements every single week. I send some sort of thought, something that I've been chewing on that really uh, can help someone get through their week. If you'd like to subscribe to that, you can text 469 809 1201. One. Again, that's 469 809 1201. You can text, hey, you could text subscribe, you could text followership, and you will get an automated message from the service. But trust me, it is coming to my phone. And if you ask me a question, I most likely will answer to prove to you that it is me and that it is coming to my cell phone. Now, if today's episode added value to your life, I would encourage you to rate it. Five stars is preferred. Uh, I would also encourage you to perhaps leave a comment. Um, I would also encourage you to buy Chasing Failure on Amazon or wherever you purchase books. You can even get it on Audible. It's me reading the book. There's even some extra bonus material with Audible as well. And of course, if this added value to your life, I would encourage you to share it with a friend. Until next time, we'll see you.